You're listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I'm Kendra, and I love having interesting conversations with my friends about art, media, life, the universe, and everything. And that is what this podcast is all about. I want to thank Bethany so, so much for agreeing to do this episode with me. You're thank- welcome. <laughs> it's going to be a really fun discussion. It is. Uh, I also wanted to thank you. Did Did you read that thing I sent you? I did. Yes. It took me two days. <laughs> Although <laughs> that's not because of the length or that it was it was there was anything wrong with it. I just was really busy. So. <laughs> Thank you for reading my 20-page essay on why I like Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> In preparation for this podcast. It, it made me feel inadequately prepared. Because I was like, oh, don't, oh no, I never, I never write an essay before this. I just randomly scribble notes while watching movies. And I just, <laughs> I'm not as organized of a thinker, it seems like. No, I I think it's because I'm obsessed with Jesus Christ Superstar, and usually when I do a podcast with someone, I watch the movie, I scribble down a few notes, and for this one, I sat down and I ended up writing my thoughts song by song, and adding Bible verses and references, and that's what you got. (laughs) So before we start talking about it, I guess we should define exactly what we're talking about. Jesus Christ Superstar started out as a concept album in the late 60s. And a little bit after that, it was picked up to be a production on Broadway. It was a Broadway show for a while. They made a movie of it. In 2018, there was a special concert show thing and we're going to be talking about all of those I think today how many of those have you seen (laughs) or heard yeah you can talk about all those I've only seen uh I didn't realize it was a concept album um so I've only seen the 70s movie and then the 2018 stage project production that was released on tv with John Legend and I can, he's the only one I can remember the name of, but it's the 2018 one. <laughs> okay. I haven't actually seen that one, but I did listen to multiple versions on Spotify because in some of the different albums, some of the lyrics are different. And I am that obsessed person. I have my favorite versions of things. I notice when the lyrics are different. So... Yeah. And also, before we really get into it, I I want to clarify to our audience our biases. I am a Christian, and I really like Jesus Christ Superstar for multiple reasons that we will get into. And I also dislike Jesus Christ Superstar because it doesn't really follow the Bible very well, and it is not a historically or theologically accurate representation of the Jesus story. And so that's where I'm coming from. And Bethany, where are you coming from? I am also a Christian. So I'm the, 
I'm most familiar with the Gospels as a, my religious beliefs and like worldview. So I basically appreciate Jesus Christ Superstar and ignore the historical inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I <laughs> and we can we can get into this more when we talk about it, but I I think of it more as I don't think it's a historical reproduction of an actual event. I think it's more like a dramatization of some different reactions to Jesus. Mm. Oh, I like that description. Yes. One of the big reasons I really am passionate about talking about Jesus Christ Superstar is because I feel like Christians don't talk about it enough. And when they do talk about it, they tend to condemn it because it's not what we believe as Christians. So I wanted to give a different perspective on it. Uh, I feel like there are two different lenses we can look at this with. And our default, my default anyway, is the Christian lens of, I believe Jesus was the son of God and that he died and that he came back to life and that that was all for a, a plan that God had. And so through that lens, Jesus Christ Superstar is just a mess. It, it's almost a little insulting to my faith. But there's this other lens that I discovered a while ago. And that put this whole different perspective on Jesus Christ Superstar. And I really love it. And I want to share it with everyone. So so I've dragged Bethany and everyone into this podcast. And heads up, uh, this could be a long one. Anyway, this lens comes from a book I really enjoy by the author Donald Miller. He wrote a book called Searching for God Knows What. And he has uh, at least one chapter dedicated to something he calls the lifeboat theory. And he says that this is kind of an explanation about why humans do certain things and kind of our mindset. And he says life is kind of like a lifeboat and it's overcrowded and everyone is in the lifeboat. And there's this threat because it's overcrowded, that you will be thrown out. And so everyone in the lifeboat is trying to prove that they're worth keeping. Like, oh, I'm a doctor. You shouldn't throw me overboard. Oh, I'm important. You shouldn't throw me overboard. And I think it's a very real phenomenon. (laughs) And I see it in myself about wanting to be important or be seen or be influential. When you look at Jesus Christ Superstar with the idea of the characters are in the lifeboat, to me, that makes the whole thing make sense. It's, it's very human. And I think in some ways that makes it really great and relatable. And then when it comes to Jesus, it kind of falls apart because I think Jesus exists outside of the lifeboat. He doesn't need to get his worth from other people. He plays by different rules. 
So that was a long explanation about how I want to look at this rock opera. Yeah, I thought that idea was really interesting um, because it was part of the essay you sent me. And I hadn't heard that before, but it matches a lot of the things that I've struggled with in my life where I just feel like I need to prove something and I never could put words to it quite like that before. But I even sort of had a conversation with God in a way where I was down, I was like getting ready for bed at some point in high school. And I was thinking my my life feels overwhelming and I feel like I'm not living up to the expectations that are being put on me by myself and other people. And it's really stressful and I don't know what to do. And in in a non-audible way, God was basically telling me like, well, the expectations that you're trying to live up to are not real. They're, mm-hmm. they're not the things that you're even supposed to be focused on. So let me tell you what to focus on. And it, it's it's going to be better and it's not it's going to be a lot less stressful because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So, you know, go his way instead of trying to focus on proving some unknown worth because you never really get there. It's like, have you ever played the game? I can't remember what it's called, but there's one where there's a bunch of it, kids play it, where there's a bunch of kids lined up on a wall and they have to run to the other side of the room and touch the wall before everybody else. And the way you win is by not trying to expend too much energy. Like you don't want to be the first one to the wall every time. You just want to be the second to last. So you just have to make sure there's somebody behind you and I feel like that's how it is in life. Like, you just have to make sure you're, you at least have one person behind you. Yes. So you're like, yes, I'm not the worst. <laughs> and I think that's what it becomes is we start throwing other people off the lifeboat. So we won't get thrown off ourselves. Right. You're like, well, oh no, but then there's one last person, which means now I have to beat the person who was ahead of me last time. Just to clarify, so uh, is a concept album like like Tommy by The Who where it's like a band or group of people releases it and it's just supposed to exist as an album yes Um, it's just an album and and usually it's created with the hope that it could become something more like a Broadway show depending on what it is I believe a concept album it's a series of music that tells a story and not just random tracks that don't really have anything to do with each other. Okay, cool. Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) It was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. So Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote Phantom of the Opera and uh, Tim Rice is the lyricist and he did lyrics for a lot of Disney movies. Uh, I, I believe Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King, that era those songs are his lyrics. And I think that's a very interesting team in my essay. <laughs> I refer to them as the writers. And I guess in this podcast, I will f- refer to them as well, because I feel like the writers are part of what we need to talk about. They interpreted this story and how they interpreted it is through their own biases which sometimes I agree and sometimes I really disagree with their perspective. 
do you even like it, Bethany? <laughs> um, I do now. Uh, when I first watched it, it was kind of be- I watched it because it was controversial, mm. and I like to watch controversial things to a point. Um just to see if I agree with people because I often find that I don't agree with the general consensus and the first time I watched it I didn't think it was like extremely sacrilegious or anything like I had heard but I don't care for rock operas typically so I had a hard time overcoming the genre Mm. (laughs) and I don't think I had seen many movies from the 70s at that point either because I that's the version I watched Mm -hmm. so it was a little weird because it it is kind of an odd movie oh it is very weird yes Uh, like everybody has afros (laughs) it's like half kind of period and half random 70s stuff like I, I really get a kick out of the Roman soldiers who have German helmets and like purple tank tops and combat boots. It's it's a weird movie. Which now I really appreciate. Like at the time I thought, what the heck? <laughs> Especially since they the beginning of the movie they drive up in a van yeah. and then they basically set up the set and that was it was so weird. I had never seen that before in the movie where it totally breaks the fourth wall at the beginning of the movie i just i didn't know what to think i was confused because i didn't realize it was going to be entirely singing oh and, and so i every time i watch an opera i always think well they've got to talk at some point <laughs> um and i still think that typically i don't know why that is because i love music but there's something i just feel like so, someone please just say something in a, in a normal voice oh that's funny um, <laughs> So I didn't care for it a lot. Uh, I thought the concept was interesting and it was cool to see people make a movie about Jesus when they weren't Christians. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to see that. I've seen that version three times now and then I've seen the 2018 version. And every time I watch it, I like it more. Mm -hmm. Like I I really enjoyed it this time. It's kind of like Napoleon Dynamite to me. Like it's (laughs) I don't think I've ever met a single person that liked it the first time they watched it, but it gets better. <laughs> you just have to keep watching it. It's one of those. I I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say too, like I the costumes are so good now that I know more about costume design, mm. and I don't know. Maybe I'm just a more mature person, and I've taken in more art. <laughs> it's so cool because they translate the culture that I understand from when Jesus was alive on earth um, in a human body. (laughs) You have to clarify that. (laughs) They translate that to 70s culture, which I think still people still understand that now. I I don't know. I just really like how they did that. The Roman soldiers, you get more what they seem like because you're like, oh, cool. I've seen people wearing that kind of clothing before. Mm. This must be what Roman soldiers were like, you know, so... I don't know. I I like it now. (laughs) And I like the music. (laughs) There's another version that's filmed that I I enjoy. It's not my favorite version, but I enjoy it. It's a filmed stage production, and it's set 
at a college campus in like the 2000s. That's a really interesting place to set it. And I think it works really well. So Jesus and his followers are students. And then the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, they are the leaders of the college. So like the dean and the teachers, you can tell there's like some kind of political unrest in the country that whatever it is, is set. So they have pieces where they will show video that looks like it's been filmed on a phone of like Jesus healing people and hashtag Jesus loves you or something. And I thought that was a very interesting take on it. I think bringing it a little bit closer to our own time can actually help understand some of the dynamics, especially some of the politics that were happening at the time. Yeah, for sure. Because I've heard, I've read the Bible a lot and I've heard it talked about a lot and, you know, the culture broken down, but it still doesn't make quite as much sense until someone translates it into my culture for me right so i that's something i really appreciate about the movie actually that it helps me understand some pieces of what was going on a little bit better that is why i love it and there are a couple songs that do that super well let's get into some of the songs what are some of your favorite songs i like Damned for All Time. Mm. So that's the one that Judas sings after he has betrayed Jesus. And then I also like Judas's death, mm. which sounds that sounds really awful because it is a really sad thing. But I like I that's my musically my favorite, mm. and I also like hearing things a bit more from Judas's perspective. I guess. There are, and I do have to clarify, there are things in each of those songs that are not theologically accurate, and I understand that. <laughs> but I do, I think, when people think about Judas, a lot of times they think, oh, he's, you know, how, how could he betray Jesus? You know, no matter what you think about Jesus, most people think that he was a nice person, mm -hmm. at least. And even if you found out that somebody betrayed someone to death and they're, you're, they're a, a really nice person, you'd be like, well, then you must be awful. Like, I can't relate to you at all because I would never do something like that. I really can relate to Judas with how he had a reasoning behind it and he had some sort of trust issue with Jesus, whether it was, you know, that he just wanted to make more money and thought he that was the way to go and you know just get a little bit of money to betray Jesus and it didn't really matter or if he thought Jesus was doing the wrong thing or it was scary or, or there was something like that and I find myself making similar decisions in smaller ways mm -hmm. you know where God I, I know the right thing to do and I decide not to do it because it's too scary or I think my way is better I can really relate to <laughs> relate to those songs, I think. That is where this rock opera really shines. I think in how it humanizes the the villains. Um I think it's kind of sad and strange that 
we've reduced some of the complexities to the bad guys. My favorite song is definitely This Jesus Must Die, which is sung by the Pharisees. And I love it because it humanizes them. Uh, In most passion plays that churches put on, they don't really delve into why the Pharisees decided that they wanted Jesus to die. And maybe it's because of time constraints or something, but I think they come off as like these mustache twirling villains of ha, we're going to kill Jesus because we're evil. And in Jesus Christ Superstar, they make it quite clear that they are afraid that the people will try and set Jesus up as king, that Rome will not like that and punish everyone. So they have legitimate reasons for being afraid of Jesus. That's only the political side. I think there was a whole spiritual side. Jesus was making them question everything that they believed in their religion. And they had become very comfortable in the rules that they had set down for how they interacted with God. And Jesus just challenged that so much. So I love that. And and I love that with Judas too. We really don't know. But this does give some insight into it, it wasn't just because he was the bad guy and he was supposed to be the bad guy. When we dehumanize certain people in the story, it, it can be kind of dangerous because then we don't relate to them as much. Well, <laughs> to go the other way, we, we don't want to like make it seem like they were doing the right thing necessarily because I hear that sometimes where a a bad guy character gets so humanized that people almost are on his side of like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, like it's not his fault he is this way. It's his circumstances and he made the best decision he could at the time. So they kind of wish the good guy would lose. (laughs) So I think that can be dangerous. But I don't think people often do that with Pharisees and Judas. I think it's more they, they don't relate to them at all. And then they ignore the ways that they're acting the same way in their own life. Yes. Because I think, honestly, whenever anybody comes into contact with Jesus, a lot of things about almost the entire way they're living their life is put into question. Because people live their life in the way that makes the most sense to them. You know, no one is doing something thinking oh this is this is stupid this isn't gonna work I'm gonna do it people people make choices that they think are gonna work for them and it's scary when there's someone who says they have authority over you and that person is saying no that's not the right way to do this you know and I think that's what everyone in Jesus Christ Superstar dealt with when they interacted with with Jesus Mm. Um, that they would notice something there would be one thing that would stick out of like man I'm either I'm doing stuff really wrong or Jesus is wrong (laughs) it can't be (laughs) it can't be both ways Um, and I think that's how it is for everybody in real life as well although it's okay (laughs) I know we're getting really strongly into religion so it's okay if anyone listening does not agree with me that's okay. <laughs> you don't you don't have to agree with me on that one. 
we do want people to be able to feel comfortable listening to our podcast. Yeah, that was entirely <laughs> my opinion. And I, when I have opinions about things, I usually think I'm right. So obviously I was saying it in a way, you know, so yeah, it might have come across a little strong. So just uh, don't worry, everyone. Well, <laughs> it's, it's the same place you're all right. I'm not going to yell at you or anything if you don't agree with me. That's why at the beginning I wanted us to be very upfront about our biases of we are coming at this from a very specific point of view. And it is super important to us and we are very passionate about it. So we are going to have very strong opinions about this. And one of the reasons I really like Jesus Christ Superstar is because it's not from a Christian point of view. And because I feel like the writers ask questions that a lot of people ask one of my other favorite songs is the song superstar which is sung by judas after he's killed himself so i'm I'm not really sure how that works but he he's singing presumably with a a backup group of angels and he the whole thing is questions jesus why did you do that why did you come to this little backwater country in ancient times why didn't you come today why did you do the things you did why did you die this doesn't make sense and that's the whole song and I like it because I feel like it's the writers showing their hand that that is kind of why they wrote Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't think they wrote it because they understood it. I think they wrote it because they didn't understand it and they had a lot of questions. And a lot of those questions are very valid. And so I I want my non-Christian friends to be able to listen to this and to be able to question these things because I, I feel like sometimes in church culture we don't deal well with people who ask that kind of questions we don't let them have questions or we pretend that we have the answers to everything and I feel like with a lot of searching I have found enough answers to satisfy me but I do recognize there's a lot about the Bible and certainly a lot about God I don't understand at this point in my life. And I think that's okay. I think it's really good to ask questions. That's what I really appreciated about the movie as well. And especially Superstar, like you were talking about, one of the last songs in the movie with a bunch of questions in it. Because it kind of seemed like it really wrapped up the movie really well to show this is kind of what everything was all about. You know, everybody's kind of been asking questions throughout the whole movie and struggling with things. And mm-hmm. so I thought the movie, it's a really great conversation starter. And I hope it was a kind of a conversation starter for the people, for the writers of the, the music. I hope the fact that it's been controversial hasn't stopped people from asking questions because it's a, it's a great starting place. And I think God really likes it when we ask questions and we have things that we're struggling with mm-hmm. and he's not, it's not hard for him and he's not scared by it. And I don't think he wants us to be either. 
he he spent a whole night wrestling with Jacob, who is the the one of the founders or like the forefather of Israel, the whole nation of Israel. <laughs> so he came, he's willing to wrestle with us through these things. And even if you don't believe in God or uh, the Bible specifically, it's good to think about your worldview and figure out how you want to do things so you don't just go through your life doing things on autopilot just because that's how you've done them before. I think that leaves a lot of room for error when you don't think about the things you're doing. Kendra, what is your favorite version of these songs? <laughs> um, I'm so nerdy. It's mixed. Uh, I have I have a playlist on Spotify of my favorite versions. Um, I like, I think it's the, the concept album was recorded twice, I believe. And I like the second recording for a lot of the songs. I like the movie for the song Gethsemane. That's my favorite version. Recently, I decided I really like the 2018 version of Herod's song because it's hilarious <laughs> so I, I there's no like one album that I I like I I'm picky and I pick and choose which one I like I I particularly like the original concept albums version of this Jesus must die because they have some really unique voices and in fact most of those singers are actually in the movie, but they record it a little bit different. They they have really cool and interesting voices that bring so much character to that song. I love it. There's the guy who plays Caiaphas has this incredibly deep, insanely deep voice, and it's just fabulous. Yeah, especially when they have other people in the song who are singing like high tenor mm -hmm. so you have this just giant range of people's voices singing different parts of the song and it, yeah it's really cool what was your first exposure to the music yeah so my dad loves this and he introduced it to me when I was quite young and we had a record I believe that was actually the movie version of the songs, but I would listen to that record over and over, mostly Herod's song, because as a kid, that was the funniest thing ever. When Jesus is brought before Herod as part of his many legal trials, Herod just wants him to perform miracles. And, and I think it's a great song now, too, because there's funny lines like, you know, Jesus proved to me that you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. And that was the funniest thing as a kid. So I, I heard the songs. And then I think when I was about maybe 12 or 13, my dad showed me the movie. And, and I actually didn't like it at first. <laughs> you're, you're right about not liking it the first time. <laughs> because I was old enough to understand that the Jesus being presented on screen was not the Jesus that I was learning about in my Christian faith. And I, I was a little offended, actually. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I wanted to ask you, I, I, I think the Jesus character of Jesus Christ Superstar is a huge topic. What do you think of the Jesus character? Oh, man. (laughs) 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 I didn't realize how huge of a topic it was until I tried to start talking. (laughs) (laughs) The main thing that sticks out is he's not God. (laughs) Yes. In the movie. Because every every scene you know every time a song would end i would think but jesus is god like it was it's missing that <laughs> you know it doesn't seem like anybody understands that even jesus in the in the film um and so and it was like man it just the whole storyline makes a whole lot more sense if you have that piece in there um so to me it's just like ah if it it's like this is not a great comparison but it's kind of like when you've they make a movie of a book that you really like and they leave out a key scene that is the impetus for a bunch of character development development or they even leave out an entire character and it's like why did you do that it's like that but more (laughs) yes yes Um, and that's that's understating it and so I have mixed feelings about that. You know, when I watch the movie as a story, I'm more inclined to think, ah, it's not right. That's frustrating. And I wish they had gotten Jesus right because that's like the most important character to get right in this movie. Mm-hmm. But then if I watch it from the lens of like even within the movie, they're playing characters and they're all wrestling with Jesus, even the guy who's playing Jesus then it makes sense it's like okay i can accept this (laughs) Mm. because everybody is just wrestling with a different part of jesus's character Mm. i don't know and then honestly part of it is too i really don't understand jesus and it's a weird story (laughs) if if you think about it because you know i've heard the same story about jesus you know yeah he died on the cross he rose again and blah 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 um I've heard about that a lot of times and if you hear it enough it it loses its sparkliness Uh Uh (laughs) you know it loses its sense of wonder and and weirdness um but if you think about it it's like wait a second so god created everything it he gave everybody the ability to have free will and what we did with our free will was we decided to listen to ourselves instead of him and so now we're separated from him and we we can't have a relationship with him and he wanted to rectify this great that makes total sense now the way he decided to rectify it was by coming to earth as a human (laughs) like make (laughs) assuming this really fragile husk and then he doesn't come in and like swoop in and like just whisk everybody away to heaven or something mm, i don't know uh-huh. <laughs> he just he dies <laughs> like why <laughs> why was that the idea you know um so it's just the weirdest thing and it doesn't make any sense and i and jesus does things backwards from the way that i would do them of you know not going out and trying to get as many followers as he can he's just he mostly teaches 12 guys one of them betrays him they all run away when he's gonna be when he's gonna die 
then you know if if that was it then he did nothing basically you know and that, i guess that's kind of what this the end of the story the end of the movie is like well <laughs> here you you set up this whole great thing you did it in a really weird way that wasn't very effective but that's all right just pick yourself back up and try again but then you decide to die like <laughs> <laughs> but it it makes sense because he he conquered death and he came back to life and he's god so that's the only part of it that really makes sense um but i guess i just have to go back to what i said of i don't understand jesus very much because he's so different than me mm-hmm. i i don't even know what to say of the differences between movie jesus and real jesus because it's there's a lot <laughs> but what <laughs> i'll let you talk though what do you what were your thoughts about that <laughs> oh i have a lot of thoughts and you have the essay to prove it uh I do think it's very interesting from the first song it's stated Jesus is not God. He's just a man. And they follow that through pretty much to the end. And I think that's a very interesting take. Speaking of questions, if I could ask the writers one question, I would ask them if they actually read the bible before they wrote this musical i i listened to a podcast where tim rice was talking about it and he said that they wanted to kind of stay faithful to the four gospels but if you read any of the gospels it's clear that jesus calls himself god multiple times and that he had a plan and he followed the plan so I, I I understand and I don't understand I can understand if you don't believe that Jesus is God and you want to write a musical about Jesus then you would write a human Jesus but then nothing he does makes sense <laughs> there's something that uh, is pretty common in Christian apologetics and it's called lord liar or lunatic so how that works is jesus said he was god but if he wasn't god then that means he was a liar even non-christians generally agree that jesus was a very positive figure and said a lot of good things and had a good influence on the world in general so a lot of people would hesitate to call him a liar but If he's not God, then he's a liar. Well, if he's not a liar, maybe he thinks he's God. Well, okay, then he's a lunatic. And following the Jesus of Jesus Christ Superstar, they pretty much fall into that third category because he doesn't know what's going on. He thinks he's God, but God doesn't talk to him. And he doesn't even know why he's dying. It's a really pretty song, but the song Gethsemane kind of bothers me because it's very human. It's the lifeboat theory, again, of there's this line where Jesus says, would I be more noticed than I'd ever been noticed before if I die? Would the things I've said mattered anymore? That's a human perspective. That's like the lifeboat theory kind of forced onto the character of Jesus. And and really, if Jesus was a human and was not God, then 
the ending of Jesus Christ Superstar is really good. Why did he do that? And what's the point? So basically, the Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar is very human and tends towards the lunatic, which I think makes him, he's my least favorite character, actually, in the whole thing, because he, he, I call him whiny Jesus in my essay, because he's, he's always worried that people will stop following him and that they'll forget him. And then to prepare for this, I was reading through the gospels and it's like, no, he, he wasn't. Everything he says is well thought out almost to the point of inefficiency he doesn't try to get people to follow him or listen to him (laughs) yes you know yes he tries to go away from people and they keep following him (laughs) he tries to get off by himself to pray and they they follow him again (laughs) you know Yes. And that's why I think he just didn't care about the lifeboat theory. I think it's, I think it's even telling in the title, Jesus Christ Superstar in, in Western society, I think being famous is a very, mm, it's something a lot of people want, including me. And Jesus didn't want that. That wasn't his goal. That wasn't his plan at all. I've never thought about it like this before, but I think part of why people want to be famous is because it gives you either power, so you have the ability to do the things you want to do and maybe have power over other people, or it proves to other people that you're worth something, which is Mm -hmm. kind of like the lifeboat theory. Both of those are. (laughs) Um, Yes. But Jesus said his kingdom was not on this earth like it was not of this earth and not this kind of power so he didn't even need that kind of power because his power is more powerful than that you know i never thought about it that way because i've always thought wouldn't it have worked better if more people heard about you at the time though because people have to hear about you but jesus didn't need to be famous to do that you know and i guess he is famous kind of now because people know who he is but people always knew he who he was because he's god it's getting confusing now (laughs) (laughs) um but the main point of that was just you know he he didn't need to use fame he doesn't need to use our kind of power because he invented power (laughs) he is power (laughs) and even though the jesus character in my opinion is 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 not written how i would write him because I have a very different point of view. I think some of his rejection of fame still comes across, particularly in the Simon the Zealot song, where the the people of Israel are singing, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, but start making pointed remarks about Rome. People will come together there will be an uprising will make you king and you'll have the power forever and ever. And Jesus is like, no, you don't understand what power is. And I, I really like that because again, what the, the strong point of Jesus Christ superstar is, is the human aspect. And I do believe that a lot of people and probably some of his disciples 
really did think he was going to overthrow the government. And for them and their human need, because they were oppressed, they were in really bad situation. The Jewish people had this long tradition of waiting for a Messiah, for a, mis- for a savior to come. They had to be thinking, why isn't he doing what are expecting him to do, which was to become a political leader, a military leader. And, and he just did totally different things. And I think that's another really big point of the movie too, that everybody kind of struggles with the fact that Jesus is not doing the things that they expected him to do. Whether yes. that is the political side, like you were saying, or maintaining some sort of like spiritual revolution Mm -hmm. you know because hypothetically if he just died then his revolution his spiritual revolution would have ended because he was the person who was leading it and none of his followers really understood what he was saying yet because they seem really confused a lot of the time and when you read the the gospels <laughs> try yes. and they just really don't get the point of what he's saying so it should have just stopped there but it didn't this is a little bit of a rabbit trail but i was thinking back to what you said about the liar lunatic what was the other option lord, lord. <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't think of an l word that that is the game well, yeah <laughs> um or maybe maybe Freudian slipped there. Maybe I'm having a hard time. <laughs> um, I was also thinking it's another option could be he thought he was God, but it wasn't an integral part of his teachings. Mm. You know? But mm-hmm. I don't think that's quite how it was either, because him being God was an integral part of his teachings. At least my understanding was he his whole plan the entire time was to die. So that doesn't really make sense either. But I was just bringing that up, kind of devil's advocate there, of <laughs> just bringing up another option. Well, it, it is a strange, um, the character in Jesus Christ Superstar, he does know he's going to die, but he doesn't understand why. That is interesting. I actually made a list of all the Bible verses. Most of them are in Matthew. There's multiple times in in the book of Matthew where he tells his disciples, I'm going to die. But he also says, and I'm going to come back. And so I think one of the main, there's a lot of problems I see with the character of Jesus in this, in this uh, musical rock opera thing. But I think one of the main ones is he doesn't know why he's dying and there is no resurrection. Nothing he did mattered unless he came back to life. <laughs> yeah, because I can't think of another beneficial thing that would have come out of it. You know, if he didn't come back to life, his followers would have just stopped following him, gone back to whatever they were doing before. Maybe they would have tried to listen to god more if they remembered anything he said (laughs) 
but then they would have died and then nothing would have happened you know well and isn't that kind of what they did the bible talks a little bit about how after after he died they did all kind of go back to their own lives and then after he rose he had to go and find them again (laughs) (laughs) and even told them he said i'm gonna rise again and i'm gonna meet you in galilee (laughs) And and then Peter gets, and they don't get it because he he says, "Peter, you're gonna deny me three times, but Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna die, and then I'm gonna raise again and meet you in Galilee." And Peter gets so distracted by arguing that he's not gonna betray him that they just completely (laughs) miss the main thing that he was trying to say. (laughs) Yes, I I probably do that with God too, where (laughs) you know I. I think the things that I'm focused on are really important. So I get distracted and they start arguing about something. And God's like, wait, but <laughs> you missed the entire point of what I was trying to say. All right, we're, I guess we're struggling through this other thing then. <laughs> you know, although that's probably humanizing God a little bit too much too, because he knew I was going to disagree and whatever. <laughs> I wish the disciples were a little bit more fleshed out and Jesus Christ Superstar. This is weird to say, but my favorite characters are the Pharisees. And my least favorite character is Jesus. And I, I also, I don't like the way they portray the, the disciples. Which I feel like is a huge loss. If the, if the whole kind of flavor of Jesus Christ Superstar is humanizing everyone, even Jesus... I feel like they don't humanize the disciples enough. They they kind of come off as these wimpy hippies who just follow Jesus around everywhere. And um, in particular, Peter. So my dad and I, because we obsess over this, we came up with this idea of instead of having Judas be a main character, have Peter be a main character. Because um, actually Peter interacts with Jesus a lot more than probably any of the disciples. And and I love Peter because he really loved Jesus and is always like the first to say, you know, Jesus says, who do you think I am? And he's the first one to be like, you're the Messiah and we're going to follow you. And then he immediately puts his foot in his mouth after he says that. He's so enthusiastic and then he just messes up. And I, I find that very relatable. And it's very comforting to me that Jesus loved Peter because he's a mess. And and if Jesus loved Peter, then I definitely have a chance. (laughs) But anyway, what I would do if I were to rewrite Jesus Christ Superstar, and I have tried it, it, it didn't come out very well. I think, I don't think I can fix the things I perceive as flaws. So I've started just accepting and actually finding good in the things I perceive as flaws. But in my, in my dream version, Peter's the main character. I would have him sing, sing that song, Gethsemane, where in the, in the real version, Jesus is questioning God. Why should I die? What is the point? I would have Peter sing that right after he denies Jesus or right before something around the time he denies Jesus. From his perspective, everything was just going super horribly wrong because in his mind, Jesus wasn't supposed to die. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. 
Especially even just logistically, because there's more content to work with with Peter's interactions. Yeah. <laughs> and he is a really interesting character that I don't think has been explored a lot. Well, if you ever find a way to rewrite Jesus Christ Superstar, I want to read it <laughs> or see it or whatever. <laughs> Whatever the media is, I want to consume it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so mixed. And and again, I, I love it because it's flawed. And I hate it because it's flawed. Sometimes the things that I, I feel like don't mesh with my faith are still relevant. Like that whole song, Superstar. I don't agree with it. But I, I think it's a really valid point of view. And kind of like we said at the beginning of the podcast it's just a really good way to start thinking about jesus i think and think about questions and feel okay with not understanding the story completely and what what your worldview is and how that relates to your religious beliefs and things like that so i don't know i like seeing i like seeing the movie from that perspective mm-hmm yeah. Did you have a, a least favorite song? I don't think so. There weren't any of them that I just hated. Well, <laughs> I, I I don't like the the whole part where Jesus is getting um, beaten. Um, mm. Just be, I, I cry every time I read that in the Bible, and I cried when I watched it in the movie. Um, mm. So, but there was nothing wrong with the song or the story at that point or anything. I just, it's just really sad. So, that part, you know, I didn't like that part. I feel like that part is really powerful. It's, as you said, that's one of the more theologically correct pieces, and his whole interaction with Pilate. Um, I don't like some of the things Jesus says because I, I feel like they're twisted and not what he actually said. But most of what Pilate says is from the Bible. And I I like that interaction, the music and everything. It's very, it's very dramatic. I guess it must have been good because if it wasn't a very good de- depiction of it, I probably wouldn't have cried. That's true. <laughs> I was reading some of the trivia about the movie and apparently the actor who played jesus his mom was on set when they were filming the lash scene the lashes oh his poor mom because especially um she never punished him physically you know sometimes people spank their children and things like that um and she Mm. never she never even did that and so it was just really hard for her to see it would hard it'd be hard for anybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she left during that part and also during the crucifixion scene, I read this on the the website that I watched the movie on, so I'm pretty sure this is accurate. But the actor who played one of the Roman the Roman soldiers who was nailing Jesus to the cross was not a native English speaker, um, and hmm. he misunderstood the instructions for the scene and didn't realize he was supposed to nail the nail into the wood and not the actor's wrist. <laughs> and so he, started, 
he started to put the nail over the wrist and thankfully the director cut he was like no 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 no, no. that's not <laughs> we're not going to that realistic with it <laughs> oh dear so just some interesting trivia there with the that scene i don't think there was any of the music that i didn't really like i guess the last two songs are mostly instrumental and i just don't care for instrumental music they're very dark i i usually stop listening or watching after the superstar song because uh, it's really upbeat and like it's kind of sad but it's upbeat and then the the ending is just kind of some dark instrumentals and then jesus dies and then the curtain falls it actually makes me feel quite depressed because uh without the hope of the resurrection ooh, that's a little dark for me yeah it really it definitely leaves it on a dark questioning yeah which in my you know my rewritten version i've often wondered what would i do after the resurrection because i feel like i tend to complain about both church passion plays and jesus christ superstar i don't know if there's any way for me to be happy sometimes i feel like mixing them would make me happy but i don't know i feel like in even passion plays they just end it with people finding the tomb empty and i feel like there's so much more that happens after that like there's uh, so much more there's a whole bunch of jesus has to go and find all the disciples again and then he appears to a lot of people and a lot of things get said and done. I feel like it's always the slightly disappointing to either end. It's, I feel like it's really dark ending with his death. Better with them finding the open tomb. But I would love to have something go past that. I complain about things. <laughs> I actually kind of like where Jesus Christ Superstar ends. If it was more historically accurate, then it would need to have the resurrection. And then, yeah, like you said, have more of after the resurrection after it. But since it is such a questioning movie, I kind of like that it ends on a questioning note. But I can definitely see what you're saying there. One thing that I was rereading the last part of Matthew today in preparation for this um, and that's the part that talks about um, Jesus being arrested and, and dying and raising again. And the part that I really wish they had put into the movie is uh, when Jesus dies, the curtain in the temple splits and a bunch of people yes. raised from the dead. And I've never seen yes. that dramatized and I just really want to see that because I just... <laughs> I don't... I'd love to see people's reactions to just a bunch of people coming out of the tombs and stuff, you know? Well, and I thought it would be really cool because the Pharisees have such a big part having their reaction to the, the temple veil being split. So for people who don't know this historically or what it means in, or what it meant in the Jewish religion at the time, um, the temple was the place where uh, people worshipped God. And there was a, a special room that God inhabited. And because he's God and he's so powerful, 
there was a, a very large curtain that separate, it was called the Holy of Holies. And there was a big curtain that separated it from the rest of the temple. And when Jesus died, that curtain was torn up until that point in time, people could only interact with God through the priests. So the priests were special people who could sometimes go into the presence of God. But having the curtain torn changed everything because it meant that the presence of God could be accessible to anyone at any time, which is just cool. It was also a very thick uh, curtain as well so it's not just like yes curtains on your window at home got split (laughs) that that might have happened good point it's been a weird thing but it was because it was it was like six layers thick i believe and it was woven in a very special way so it it couldn't just (laughs) snag on something (laughs) it wasn't like a scrat kind of a thing from ice age where there was something at the top that made a little crack and then it went down (laughs) right so it that was miraculous along with the people raising from the dead because that's um there's another yeah and no one ever talks about that that doesn't happen in passion place either like i'd like to see that that's a question i have why was it just such a big event that people needed to be raised from the dead or was there a reason behind that? I I want to know, and I don't. I kind of wonder. There's a story now. I can't remember which prophet it was, but there was a prophet who died. I want to say it was Elisha. And he, there are several prophets in the Old Testament of the Bible where they're they're talked about a lot, and they're almost they're more powerful. <laughs> They, they do more miracles, I should say. They're not powerful on their own, but they just have more miracles that are listed. And there's one that had died, and there's a person at some point who's running away. I think there's an attacking army, and the person is running away, and they're carrying a dead body, and they get scared, so they just throw it, and it lands in the grave of the dead prophet, and it comes to, it just jumps to life. And so I think that might have had something to do with it where God was foreshadowing Jesus's power with mm. that, you know, just mm. one person touched the dead prophet's grave and rose to life. But then when Jesus died, a bunch of people rose to life and it's kind of foreshadowing just his power and also the fact that we were going to be he was going to raise to life and he was going to give other people the ability to have new life through him and, and resurrect with a body in the new heaven and earth that God's going to make. So mm-hmm. that's what I would think. But I also just really wanted to talk about that story about the, the dead body jumping off, up, jumping up off the prophet's grave. Cause I, <laughs> that's one of my favorite stories. In the Bible. It's so um, random. It's a lot of yeah. random stories that I don't remember as well. Yeah, I like there are just a lot of w- really weird random things. Because actually I think it was Elisha again or it was Elijah. I get those two mixed up. Um, one of them also did a similar thing with um, multiplying food. Mm. But Jesus did it twice and like a way bigger amount. 
if anybody's interested, you should just look up some cool old stories from the Old Testament because there are some awesome miracles and just random things that God just does a miracle and it, sometimes it's just kind of funny. Like <laughs> the things that he chooses to do, they're just, it's awesome and random. I like what you say about foreshadowing. Um, the longer I study the Bible, I think God really likes foreshadowing things because uh, you, you mentioned the prophet, either Elisha or Elijah. Jesus was compared to Elisha. Some people even asked, like, are you Elisha who's come again? Another thing I, I like about the, the Bible story of Jesus's death is the Passover and that the Passover is probably my least favorite song in Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't particularly care for the music. I don't like what they do with it. I feel like that scene is so jam-packed with meaning. The way the writers wrote it took all of the meaning out of it. In the movie, the disciples are drunk and they're talking about, it's, it's the lifeboat theory about how they always knew they'd be a disciple and we'll be famous because we'll write the gospels when we're old and people will remember us after we die. And then whiny Jesus is worrying that everyone will forget him when he's gone. And then Judas is like the only person who has any sense and is gets in an argument with Jesus. And that that's the Passover and, uh, that's really disappointing for me because uh, when I was quite young, someone in our church would celebrate Passover and talk about how the Passover rituals can point to Jesus. And that made a very deep impact on me. And that's become very important to me. The whole point of Passover was to celebrate when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They had to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on their doors. And then they were saved through that. And so every Passover, they would, uh, I forget how long before, but a certain point of time before the Passover, they would basically, each family would take in a special lamb that was pure, didn't have any spots or any anything wrong with it, and kind of keep it as a pet, a very close pet. And then on Passover, they would kill it and put the blood over their houses. So Jesus, who knows he's about to die, is celebrating this festival with his followers. And I, I feel like that that's very heavy with meaning when he takes the wine and he says, drink this in remembrance of me and takes the bread, eat this in remembrance of me. That's something Christians do uh, communion. We do that every so often because he asked us to, to remember him. But there's, there's even more meaning to that for me because of Jewish tradition, because at that time, when a, a man wanted to propose to a woman, he would pour her a glass of wine. And if she took it, that meant she accepted his proposal. So I kind of wonder what the disciples were thinking 
when Jesus starts pouring wine and saying, drink that, like it, it's mirroring a proposal. And that goes along with a lot of things that Jesus said is he is the bridegroom and he is offering a better life to people and they can choose to accept it or not. So there's so much meaning in that. And I, I was very disappointed <laughs> with the representation in the movie, but I, I'm not surprised the focus of the writers was on a human Jesus and what would he have done if he was human? So it, it, everything they do makes sense to me. It just, it loses so much of the, the beauty and historical context that I get really geeky about and love. I think it's kind of disappointing that they didn't include washing the disciples feet in there either. Cause that's another really powerful part where right before the passover feast is it right before it's at some point during it um jesus decides to wash all of the disciples feet which culturally would have been something the lowest servant would have done and they did that because when you had visitors into your home they were coming in they you know they didn't have closed toed shoes and they were walking on streets where animals had pooped and things like that so their feet were really dirty um, and when you ate, you were reclining, so your feet would be really close to another person. So it was really important to have people's feet clean before you were going to enjoy a meal together. Shortly before this, the disciples had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest and which one would sit next to Jesus when he, when he was reigning over everything. And what Jesus decides to do when they're having the meal is wash everybody's feet. He takes the lowest position. It's gross, and that's something none of the other people wanted to do, and he did it. So it's a really powerful thing, and I wish they had had that in the movie. Yeah. It's another, like, Jesus is constantly jumping off the lifeboat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Liter literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then he walks on water, too. So, like, multiple ways. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wish that could have been in it, too, because Peter also gets to walk on the water a little bit, and then he gets scared and puts his foot in his mouth. But, you know, that's typical yeah. Peter, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, and like you said before, it's so comforting that Peter makes so many mistakes and Jesus still loves him, because I, I think most people are risk-averse, I would say. But I'm particularly risk averse and I hate looking stupid in front of other people and I hate making mistakes and trying new things that I probably will fail at. And it's nice to know I don't have to be afraid that Jesus isn't going to love me anymore because I messed up, you know, because he, he specifically asks us to do really uncomfortable things sometimes. So it's nice to know, you know, Peter, <laughs> Peter messed up a lot and... And Jesus knew that, and he still picked him. He still, Jesus still picked me, even though I mess up a lot, too. That's something I've actually been thinking about, comparing Peter and Judas. And I, I don't have anything to back this up. So this is purely Kendra's um, musings. musings. <laughs> Please don't take what I say as theologically correct. <laughs> But something that struck me as very interesting is both Judas and Peter betrayed Jesus. Like Judas sold him out 
I'm reading an amplified version of the Bible, which is quite interesting and I like it. And it says Peter insists so much he doesn't know Jesus. He calls down curses upon himself. Like if if I'm wrong, you know, curse me. I don't know this person. And it's very strong. And I, I've just been thinking about that a lot of I can't speak theologically about Judas. Was he did he have a choice in what he did, why he did what he did? Was he damned, basically? I don't I don't know. And but something that I've kind of thought about while I was putting together this essay is Peter is basically just as bad and yet Jesus forgives him and there's even a a conversation that's recorded in John where Jesus asks him three times do you love me Peter now I, I also want to because I'm geeky I want to clarify that the words he used are a little bit different than the English word love. He asked, do you agape me, which is unconditional love. And then the last time he asked, do you phileo me, which is um, a friendship love. So love is a little bit different in the language that he used than the English language. But I think that's kind of an interesting conversation he asked. Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter denied him three times. Uh, I find meaning in that. And I, I even wonder if Judas had not killed himself and had repented, what would have happened then? And again, I don't know. And, and those are big questions. And those are some of the questions I have that haven't been answered yet. <laughs> and I guess it is possible. I don't know what sort of conversations Judas had with God before he killed himself but he could have repented before he did I know it's kind of complex when someone decides to kill themselves but hopefully he did repent and did get forgiven there's no recording of whether he did or not he he made the choice really uh, impulsively so I don't know if he did but That's something I I also came to the conclusion that we don't know what happened to Judas. And and actually, we really don't know what happens with other people. We we can't, you know, if someone says they're a Christian or, or if they act in a Christian way, maybe that indicates something. But we really can't know 100% sure. Only that person knows what their relationship with God is like. So I I finally came to the conclusion of, oh, I only have control over one outcome, and that's my own relationship with Jesus. I think the only other song I wanted to talk about was, shoot, let me look up the name of it. I can't find what the name of it is, but it's the one where they keep, there are several different people asking Jesus if they can start again. Mm, Yeah. It's called, Can We Start Again, Please? Oh. (laughs) I don't know. In in your essay, you said you didn't care for the song a whole lot. But I actually, that's one of the ones I liked. Because Mm. I thought it showed more of the struggle that people were having with Jesus. And it kind of mimicked problems that I have sometimes, too. 
where I really don't understand the ways that God does things. Like I said, he's he's confusing and he he you know, he says his ways are above our ways. So then he does things in a different way that's confusing to us. You know, in one of the stories in the Old Testament, the people of Israel have just been rescued from Egypt where they've been slaves. And actually, it, they haven't just been rescued. There's been a lot of things in 40 years that have gone by before this. But they finally get to the, the land where God, God has promised them land and he's going to help them take it over and there's the city of jericho and the way that that god decides to have them defeat the city of jericho is by walking around the walls um playing trumpets (laughs) walking around in circles and i don't know if you've ever seen the veggie tales version of that but that's correct it's it's ridiculous to just walk around a wall and expect that to do anything but the wall falls down and and the people of israel take the city um and so it's that happens to me in my life a lot I think where I feel like I'm just walking around in circles and it doesn't feel like the things that I want to get done are getting done it doesn't seem productive and the things that God are God is asking me to do involve trusting him not understanding what the heck is going on and being scared (laughs) and Mm. I thought that was kind of mimicked in this song too of like Jesus I don't know what you're doing can we just like rewind time and do it a better way because you seem I don't agree with you (laughs) then this is scary let's do it a different way you know so I kind of liked that song yeah that makes a lot of sense and again that's where I love Jesus Christ Superstar because it shows I think true human reactions to unearthly God something that is kind of alien to us. I feel like sometimes in church culture, we don't talk about some of those struggles of the struggle to understand something that seems counterintuitive or wrong or just weird. And I, I love the honesty in so much of these songs of, of being angry with God or like, I, I don't like Jesus singing it, but I love the song Gethsemane because it, it's, it is questioning God. And also at the end, he does decide to do it. And I, I feel like that's a great model for us. I believe that Jesus did know why he was going to die and that he did, he was a, a afraid and that he didn't want to endure the pain and he did ask for a different way but there was no other way so he did it and I feel like the Gethsemane song is like a good model for me following God (laughs) I don't understand why this is happening I don't understand why you're doing this but I will do what you say and and I, I actually do like the, the last line is, God, thy will is hard, but you hold every card. That's a very comforting thing. I, I like those human emotions of expressing it's hard and I don't want to, but I will. Jesus talks about that in another parable as well, where he says, 
if uh, if a father asks his two sons to go out and work in the vineyard and one of them says, yeah, I'll do that, and never does, you know, he just stays inside, and the other son says, no, I don't want to do that, but he goes out and does it anyway, which one of them obeyed him, you know, obviously the one who actually did it. So even if we have a hard time with it and we don't want to, what matters initially is just doing it and god is the one that can change our hearts so hopefully next time we'll say yes our minds will think about things differently so we'd be more inclined to want to do it anyway Hmm. yeah so in conclusion i was thinking about what what do i want people to get out of this um if you like rock music and are interested in a different take on a a story you know if you're a Christian or if you're interested in asking some questions if you're a non-Christian, check out Jesus Christ Superstar. But I, I want you to remember a couple things that this is a artistic representation of something and it's not very true to the source material. So if you want to know more about what I believe Jesus was really about you should read the Bible and the movie go but I also want to encourage Christians to be okay watching stuff like this there's a lot of different movies the ones I think of are are Jesus Christ Superstar The Last Temptation of Christ and The Da Vinci Code and those are things that deal with Christianity and with Jesus in a way that makes Christians feel um, very uncomfortable because the theology and the history and the focus is not through a Christian lens. But I, I want to encourage people to let's not immediately condemn things like that. If we do condemn it, let's let's do it knowledgeably. I feel like a lot of Christians are quick to dismiss something without watching it first. And I, I think it's been very good for my faith to watch Jesus Christ Superstar and wrestle with some of the inconsistencies between that and the Bible. We don't have to be afraid of things that s- seem to slander our God and the the things that are precious to us. Very well said. I agree. Well, I could probably talk for hours about this. Um, I feel like we've only scratched the surface of Jesus Christ Superstar and my obsession with it. Bethany, thank you for reading my really long essay in preparation for this. (laughs) You're welcome. It was really fun, actually. I liked that it gave me more things to think about. And thank you for talking about it with me. That means a lot to me. You're welcome. It was fun. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast again. It's it's really, really fun, and I really appreciate it. This is a special Easter podcast. While I was researching this and writing my very long essay, I was able to dig deeper into this whole story, which is really great. I I love having new reasons to dig into it. And so 
because this is coming out on Easter, I, I want to end with the resurrection. I, I do believe that Jesus rose like he said, and that his death and his coming back to life had a very deep and meaningful purpose. And uh, I guess we'll just end with, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you for listening to this very long, special episode of The Patchwork Girl and Friends. If you are interested in watching something that has a more Christian view about the life of Jesus, I would really like to recommend The Chosen, which is uh, can be viewed on VidAngel. I will have a link in the description. The Chosen is a mini-series about Jesus' life, and I've seen the first season. It is really wonderful. I especially like how they do take the time to flesh out the disciples and all their wonderful flaws and also their deep love for Jesus. I really like the Jesus character and it is very clear that he is God. Starting today, this Easter, they are releasing the first episode of the second season. So if you want to watch something special for Easter, I recommend The Chosen. And again, you can watch that via VidAngel. Thank you so much and have a blessed day.